as to as to doing mission, not only short term teams, but also longer term teams. Because I don't know about you, but I've started to um, hear amongst some brothers and sisters, maybe certainly not in this church, but in the wider church in, uh, with brothers and sisters in other churches, you know, well, we don't really do we really need to do mission anymore? I mean, it's so expensive and really shouldn't the people in their own country be ministering to those people? And look, we've got a nation that we need to evangelize here. Why should we go over there? Why should our church, if we're talking about church leaders, pay all that money for these people? Why should we be supporting them and and sending them? Um, and actually, you know, with globalization, you know, everyone's got access to the internet. Everyone's got access and, and can, can now reach things that they couldn't before. So really, you know, we're past that season where we need to send missionaries. And certainly, why should we as Western missionaries, why should we be sent or we be sending? And I kind of want to respond to that a bit because all of us know other people. We're here, most of us here, because actually we get it. And we're here because we want to learn more about it because it's something that God is talking to us about already. The rest of our church, of which there are many (laughs) that are not here, they're not necessarily getting it. But what we can do is in our wider relationships within our church and our wider relationships in the wider body of Christ, whether that's um, our home churches, if we're students, or whether it's Christian union, whether it's other relationships we've got with other churches, whether it's Christian family members that are in other parts of the country, we can, you know, gossip the gospel of why we should do mission and why it's a good idea and why God has not said stop sending and why God has not said you're Westerners and you should just be doing your own bit in your own country and let people do their bit in their country because that's not what God says you know and the first thing is actually it's a biblical command it's a biblical command Jesus doesn't give many commands but this is actually one of them which is go into all the nations baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, making disciples of the nations. It's a command. It didn't say, go into your own country and do it. It said, go to the nations. Now, I don't know about you, but when I see a command in Scripture, yes, it's for that time, but it's for all time. Jesus hasn't said, yeah, I told you that then, but now stop doing it. It's still a command. The second thing is, as Alison pointed out, for those of you who are our last um, time together, There are still many, many, many millions of people who do not have access to the gospel. They do not have access to literature, language, internet. You know, they don't. We presume that, oh, everyone has it now. It's it's not actually true. There are many, many people groups who do not have anyone within their community who is a Christian who can share the gospel with them. So if we don't go, who will? And I just want to read from Romans 10 and verse 14. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That is a scripture for then, for now, and until Jesus comes back or we go to be with him. That is that is the call on us as a people. It's the call on us as a church. It's the call on you and it's the call on me. Are we going to be like Isaiah and say, here am I, 
send me. Yeah. Now, the benefits. I think it's good. You know, you've got the biblical. This is why we do it. That's a good answer for uh, and a good way of saying to people. Actually, mission is important. Being a missionary is important. Sending missionaries is important. But also, there are also all the benefits. You know, we, as, as a Western church, we don't see our own cultural blind spots. But when we have missionaries who go to a different country, learn a different language, invest and go into a different culture, they become changed people. They're not who they were when they were in their home country. And they, when they come back to be with us here, the Alison and Georges, the Anguses and Helens of this world, give us insight into our own blind spots, where we've become entrenched, where we're missing maybe some sin in our lives, sin in our church that we've grown accustomed to because it's become a cultural blind spot for us because it's become a norm. And, you know, the culture of the day seeps into the culture of the church. But when you have missionaries, they come back and they go, what are you doing? Guys, you know, there's a there's a wake-up call and that keeps a freshness in our own walk and a breadth of who we are as Christians and a maturity that we will not have if we don't have missionaries that are members of our congregation and that participate and bring in to the life of the church. And that's really, really, really important. But secondly, it's equally important is those missionaries that go, they go into a culture that has its own blind spots to certain areas that are acceptable. So, for example, generally in England, we we say as Christians, we're like, white lies are no good. Lying is of the devil. Lying is no good. We do not lie take that into a Muslim culture, it's a completely different ball game. Lying, it's all right. God, you know, if, if, it, if it just, if the ends justifies the means, lying's perfectly okay. Now, coming to getting a concept where you get people saved that are then their whole background is it's all right to lie there's no problem with that that's not a sin there's no understanding of lying being a sin in english culture there's still an understanding that lying is not a good thing now in turkish culture or in a muslim culture that's just not the way it is lying is just a normal part of life and so a missionary coming from a a west a mindset where that's not okay and you call it out and you disciple people into the truth and the truth is lying is not okay Okay, there's only one father of lies and that's not Jesus, you know? <laughs> so, but do you see what I mean? But you wouldn't believe that, would you? You wouldn't think about that, but you, you understand that. And so the missionary brings their cultural, the, the truths and the blessing of their culture into that culture to bring a deeper maturity for the Christ, for the church. Yeah, so there's that cross-pollination with our cultural blind spots. It helps to expose cultural blind spots and bring deeper maturity for the whole body of Christ. And that's a really powerful reason for doing mission. Okay. Another powerful reason is that, the, the well, I've already said that brings the maturity for us, doesn't it? And it brings blessing because when we are freed from sin and when we walk into maturity, we, we have more blessing from the Lord. It releases blessing. And the other reason for doing mission, I would say, is for um, it building the faith. And I shared this, I touched upon it last time we were together. The faith of the person who is sent is so stretched. Whether it's for a short amount of time or whether it's for a longer period of time, it is a stretching and an increase and a, and a growing of your faith, which you then bring into the context that you're in, 
when you're overseas. You, you grow in faith, and so you bring that growth of faith, but also it's something you bring back to your church and bless your church with the stories you get and the, the, the expansion and the stretching of your faith and what you've seen God do is what you then share with your brothers and sisters and what they become part of. And it gets us excited and it grows us in faith and grows us in maturity. And as well as that, it grows our relationships. Because, you know, if, if we were to just leave the church in the different nations, however big or however small, let's put aside for one second that in some places it's non-existent but you know if we were to take the view that well you know there is the church community over there just let them get on with it they know how to evangelize and witness to their people best if we we miss out on the relationship and the enriching of that relationship that we have when we send people to go and be with them and when when they send people to come and be with us you know we enrich one another and you know yes it costs money of course it does but God is the God of provision is he not should we be worried about the cost of what this is does god does he doesn't worry about the economics he just provides like steven said i'll share in a minute just to encourage you that a story got money did just appear in my bank account to this day i don't know where it came from i tried to give it back but i couldn't i didn't know where to give it back to and the bank was like well it's just there and that, that's it you know god does these things because the economy is not an issue for god and so we shouldn't look at it in that way and we shouldn't look at it in some way of you know oh um that's just spending too much money it's disproportionate to the game we do not understand the spiritual significance of the gain when we send missionaries when we are missionaries what that does for the kingdom of god cannot be measured in monetary terms yeah so yes yeah, so a couple of stories to get you encouraged about what god does so my very first uh, mission trip was to turkmenistan now i didn't this is back in 1996 so we are talking a long time ago um, I didn't know that Turkmenistan existed, but God had spoken to me and he'd promised me, Acklin, you're going to get to go on a, uh, on a mission. So I'd be praying. I'd, I'd had a call to, I'm just checking my time to see that we do lunch and everything at the right time. I had a, um, a call to the Muslim world, a very profound call actually through a time of prayer. And so on the back of that, I was praying, oh Lord, I really want to go on a short term team. I really want to go. There was a hunger in my heart to go to to a Muslim country because I felt God had called me to the Muslim world, to the Muslim nations. And I, my, my, the church that I was part of at the time were doing small term teams regularly in the summer and they were going to do one to Lebanon. But at the last minute that all fell through. I was praying saying, Lord, I felt you promised that I'd get to go on mission. I'd get to go on a team. And it's all falling through. It's all. And, and as I was, I was sitting at, I had a piano. I was sitting at my piano. I was just been worshiping and I prayed and I felt the Lord say, you're going to go to Turkmenistan. And I was like, does that even exist? So, I mean, literally, that had the name dropped in my head and I didn't, did not know that it existed. So I did the next best thing, which was I had my Operation World book, which George Voa talked about. I thought, oh, I'll look it up, see if it exists. Of course, I was absolutely blown away to find that Turkmenistan, yes, does exist. And not only that, but because my heart for that time, I'd been particularly burdened for Iran. It bordered Iran. And I, I didn't have, you know, so that was just, for me, it was absolutely mind-blowing. And, and then it just so happened that George Birch had recently been in Turkmenistan didn't know that either and had some connections there so I ended up going on my own um I had a first of all I just started my training contract with a law firm in London and um thankfully they were they they were on board I said I was going to go um but I didn't have my visa and I was praying and I was praying this blimmin visa did not come through and but I was so new that I'd heard from God that I thought you know what just going to go anyway. So I didn't have a visa. <laughs> I, I got, I still didn't have a visa. I got on the plane anyway. 
And um, when I got to the got to the to going through, and I didn't even know quite what my visa because someone was organising it for me in Turkmenistan. I wasn't quite sure what the reason for my visa was either. So was I a tourist? Was I a student? Was I? I wasn't quite sure. So so not only did I have to blag my way through passport control without a visa, um, I didn't actually know what my visa was for. So so you can imagine that was a bit of a tool. So I went to the passport guy, and he looks at my photo, and he, he looks at my, my passport, and he says visa. And I'm like, yeah. And of course, I mean, this guy, I don't speak Turkish. This is way before I learned any Turkish. And the, and the guy doesn't, he speaks a little bit of English. And I said, uh, and I sort of said, uh, university visa, you know, like this. And he's sort of looking at him expectantly and smile. And um, this was back in the day. And he looks at the picture and he looks at me and he says, pretty picture. And he lets me go. Right? I can you believe it? it's just crazy. So I get through, get through passport control on the basis of my pretty photo and my nice smile. Love it. And um, get through. And then I meet the guy, Radik, who um, has got my visa. He comes back in then and sorts everything out for my visa. But what I found on, out on the way back was um, someone else, an English lady, had been... Um, She'd gone to Turkmenistan as well. Her visa hadn't come through. She was held in the airport for 24 hours and sent back. Huh? So it was just a God thing. It was just a God thing. Um, and then I, then also I changed my trip so that I could come back via Istanbul and I needed some more money, didn't have enough money. And I was just like, oh Lord, I really, I feel I should do this. Felt God was saying, I want you to, you know, there's some time to spend in, in, in Turkey on the way back. And got some connections. Um, it, there's loads of detail, but basically God just provided and, and, and whatever. But I didn't have any money. I was so skin. I mean, I just finished uni, you know, and I've just started the training contract, which was so below minimum wage because they could get away with doing that in those days that my parents were still subsidizing me because I couldn't actually afford to live on the wage I was getting. And uh, so needless to say, there was no money in my bank. So I'm like, well, Lord, if I'm, if I'm going to do this, then I really need the money, you know. And, and so I, I, was, I checked my bank account, and, and this, this 500 pounds, it, just, it was just in my bank account. And, uh, uh, you know, I said, oh, praise God, well, the money's there right now. <laughs> so, so I'll sort out how it got there after. As I said to you, to this day, I, I do not know how. I asked all my friends, did you put that money in there? Because there was no reference. You know, normally you can trace, can't you, where money comes from. I asked the bank, I said, look, have you credited this to me by, by mistake? You know, did it, did it, did you, was it meant to go to someone else? And they, they couldn't, they, they, we never got to the bottom of it. It, it just appeared. You know, so money is no object for the Lord. Um, if you want to have faith adventures, go on short-term teams, go on short-term missions. And, you know, you probably end up, you might end up getting called like we did. But that's a good thing because um, I tell you what, life is exciting when, when you start on a journey with, with where Jesus wants to take you for the kingdom. It's good stuff. Amen. So we, we've 